Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, my name is Oasis Parker, and we watched Shocker, a movie that I did not know was directed by Wes Craven, but not like Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, but more like Last House on the Left and uh, the other bad ones. Wes Shocker Craven. is three really, really confusing movies. A lot it might be a little confusing. <laughs> it might be a little confusing as to why we watch this, but there are two big reasons. One, Ted Raimi's in it, and two, my sister claimed that Dad forced her to watch this, and that's kind of plausible. Knowing my dad, I texted him about that, and I was like, "Hey, what gives?" And he said he had absolutely no memory of this movie. Hell so yeah, that owns. <laughs> He remembers the weirdest stuff and forgets everything else, man. To so. be fair, I watched this a year ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's a movie that they, like, you know, jump through the TVs. Like, oh, there's, like, an hour 30 outside of that. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot going on. I didn't remember that there's a 45-minute span of body swapping. Yeah. Well, and also a ghost with lightning powers out of her belly. I, I will. We will get to that. And okay. his family died, question mark. It's fine. Uh, yeah, there's questions abound. Do we have the answers? Well, we'll get to that. But Parker, first, do we have any news? Right, you got so lucky. So this week, <laughs> Warner Brothers and DC did their big fucking showcase of all of their stuff coming out soon. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to just fucking ruin his whole evening. And I got to the second thing. I was like, here's a trailer for The Flash. And I went, yeah, I don't want to watch this. So count your fucking <laughs> blessings, dude. I'm just looking at that list like, I don't... I don't want to explain what a black... Because, like, oh, I should talk about the Black Adam thing. Wait, I don't know what that is. So then I would have to do research to tell you about a thing you're going to have to see. And you know what? I, life is short, man. I don't have time yeah. to... I mean, I do, but I don't want to. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't sound like something... I, I actually didn't hear about this. Where do, where do you hear about it? Where do you get your DC comic news? Uh... The spoiler chat usually. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just open Twitter and be like, "Oh, I guess something's happening today." Because eight people I follow are just retweeting the same fucking reactions to the same videos. Yeah, I know the big one today was some guy said that he was looking for uh, people who watch and or review Marvel movies before everyone else have to have spoiler warnings. Otherwise, they should be fined a million dollars or something. So it's like, I ordinarily I dunk on this guy, but everyone was. It's like, that target's way too easy. Yeah, exactly. But, but also, like, I am a hypocrite, because I watched the Batman trailer like a second it was online. It's like, this looks fucking sick, dude. So like, I am not speaking down on anyone. I am human trash. Don't even I'm glad that Zoe Kravitz is getting in more movies. I really like her. I like Colin Farrell in a giant fat suit. That's doing a lot for me, too. Yeah, movies are good question mark <laughs> anyway uh let's also get to our jerks of the week parker uh you can go first oh fuck i can't believe you've done this 
mean, speaking of DC, the nerve to make our beloved Superman son gay. I mean, come on. They have taken this beautiful character we've always loved, who I've never heard of before, and made him bisexual? <laughs> what on? What will they take from us next, Chris? What beautiful symbols of American ideology will be taken from us by the gays? You know, Superman's not even American, right? Or real, as it turns out. So none yeah. of this matters. <laughs> like, I don't even know this new Superman's name. I can't, like... I was reading it in real time, shooting that. Wow, I, I don't care about any of this. Like, who? Are, but again, it's the thing I tell you all the time. Like, I could just go, "Hey guys, I'm gonna take a break real quick. Go out to my car and just spend 30 minutes yelling into my fucking phone about it." And I could walk back in and go, "Psych, never working here again. I've hit the fucking jackpot. I am mad online about the gays and comic books." And you know, we're like one more year away from that. I'm trying to hold off, but uh, yeah, well, trying to make some. Before money. you make your last stand, I'd like to give my jerk of the week. So, uh, I actually got one of those new network adapters for the uh, for the GameCube, and it lets you hook up to the internet to play certain games. Now, some of them you can't actually play online; they don't have the functionality built in there. But there have been some various hacks that they go in through the memory card. You can play them online, and the most popular one is obviously Super Smash Bros. Melee, which I'm playing right now. And it's actually you were holding a controller. Just, just, yeah, one second, one second. Hang on, hang on. Oh, Alright, get this guy. This, this guy's really not even that good, so I think I can probably take him. Hang on a second. Is that an Wait, item? Where, what the fuck? Where did you get that? Wait, what the? Okay. Fuck this shit. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you fucking need it, dude. Alright, whatever. That's cool. Like, jerk of the week is whoever invented the GameCube. Absolute so, trash. No one should play it. I mean, why even speak. play the game if you're going to play on one level, right? It takes all the fun oh, out of it. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Home run bad. It's fucking... Anyway, right, just, so... Just, uh, you know, play it online. Oh, it's dog shit. This game's fucking dog shit. Drop my input. <laughs> not what I hit. Uh, guard... Okay, whatever. That's yeah, fine. Broken. Piece of shit. Great. Nintendo sucks yet again. Goodbye. Broken. Well, speaking of absolute trash garbage, my yep. birthday was recently. Oh, and my... My brother decided he would get me a gift. Now, Henry and I don't talk anywhere near as frequently as we used to. He's just not very good at communicating. But he still loves me, and he knows some things I like, and he knows that I like movies. So, And he's also trying to save money, so he decided, I will hunt for a Josh-esque deal. And he got himself a deal with a collection of 50 cowboy movies. And I can't imagine what he paid for. It's probably a buck. Uh, this is... I'm glad Henry doesn't listen to this podcast, because... This is the single worst collection of movies I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, this collection is all owned. They're $20. They all look like hot dog shit. They're so good. Yeah, it's like 50 classics, 50 hits for a big savings value. And every single one of these Alex movies is in the up. public domain. <laughs> You're big. And... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this... This uh, thing is like, uh, I only watched one movie from it so far, so hey, maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe these movies are good, but if they're anything like Neath the Arizona Skies from, I'm not kidding when I say this, 1934. Jesus Christ. It, the, when it opens, it looks like, what's like the shittiest MST3K short? It looks like that. And you're like, oh no. So this is apparently before... Um, it's a talkie. Uh, they had uh, dialogue, but they didn't have sound effects, and they didn't have background music. Awesome. So, imagine watching a movie like that, How and did you being like, thanks, Henry. Pick this one. 
It was it was the first one that played. I was just like, what could possibly oh, go wrong? I see. You put the disc in, it just chooses for yeah, you, huh? It, yeah, it has... Hell yeah, like, dude. I don't know how many are around there. Now, whoever put this package together picked this one first for a reason. It has John Wayne in it. And John Wayne is the guy who's on the cover of the thing. Uh, this movie... Now, to its credit, this movie is actually somehow under an hour. So, uh... Okay, okay. Felt like more than four. Wow. And, uh, every single time the Duke punches someone... It, it just, there's no sound effect. He it, it, it goes like this, like one of those really long wind-up punches. The guy just kind of crumples to the ground. You're like, what the fuck is this? You might be wondering, what's the story about? Well, I know you're not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this is right around the turn of the century, and uh, Uncle Sam has purchased the land from the Native Americans. Oh, nice. And he's going to, and he's going to uh, give them their money. When they uh, come to, to see the U.S. government and they'll pay them money for their land, uh, the movie takes this sort of like literally, it's like, oh yeah, sure, the government's going to give them money. And uh, like, all you got to do is show up to this place. If I was a day of Americans, I probably just wouldn't go. <laughs> hey, art of the um, deal, baby. What can you do? Yeah, right. So one of the ones that shows up for, I don't remember which nation, is a little girl, a nine-year-old girl who doesn't have any parents, and her adoptive father is John Wayne, who, as history knows, was very kind and generous to Native Americans. And uh, he's her ward, and he takes her, and the U.S. government's going to give her $50,000, which back in 1934 is like, uh, I don't know, a lot more than that. But uh, other cowboys hear about that, and they come up with a scheme. I think they literally rub their hands together like this to to take that girl and steal the money from her or something. I don't know. Anyway, the movie goes on way longer than it should, and it's only 58 minutes, so that doesn't bode well. Uh, and there are so many other movies in there. I bet none of them have John Wayne, who's not even good in this. This is five years before his first good movie, Stagecoach. Uh, others have guys who I've... I've never heard of. Uh, I'm going to do my best to actually work through all of these. Jesus Christ. Just just like, do a massage. Like, Henry, look, I actually watched all 50. Please don't buy me movies anymore. <laughs> Please. Thank just... you for the thought. Do not ever in your life do this again. <laughs> so, am I right in assuming that the cover is just a giant portrait of John Wayne? Yes, it is. Oh, wait, how did you know? <laughs> I just... I mean, you know, I think he could have the horror sets before. Yeah. It's like, oh, a hundred horror movies. Let me guess. There's Nosferatu. There's Night of the Living Dead. There's a bunch of shit no one would ever watch in a million years. And there's Prom Night for some reason. Okay, yeah, that's I, all I, of them. I, I've got one of these before. Back when I was first getting into film, I I told my parents about this. They're like, oh, how do you feel about Alfred Hitchcock? I was like, I love Hitchcock. He's my favorite director. This is before I started watching John Carpenter movies. So they got me a collection of twenty-eight Alfred Hitchcock movies. Not a single one of them is memorable or known by anyone. <laughs> it's like, great, I got some of his silent movies. Dude, I did that. I was like, you know what? I've only seen like a four or five of them. And I downloaded a torrent, and I'm just scrolling through like, what are these? <laughs> yeah, are these just, real? I'm, I'm just not going to watch this. What I'm not. Doing? I'm going to watch Rope and Rebecca, and then I'm fucking out. I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for watching, Rebecca. I actually like them. Anytime. Uh, speaking of shit that you probably like, mm -hmm. I watched... Slither by the beautifully oh. twisted mind of James Gunn. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm ever going to call him. Okay. Uh, this has uh, actors in it, and they portray roles uh, that are characters. There's a story that accompanies it. There's background music and sound effects. Already, this is a lot better than Neat the Arizona Skies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
I think that was what I think I told you about it. You and Alex, where I was, I was like, yeah, I just finished watching one of the shittiest wrestlers of my life. I'm just gonna put on Slither. <laughs> um, the right call. This has a, yeah, this is Michael J. Rooker in uh, the lead role. It's basically a throwback to those uh, 1950s aliens movies. In particular, I'd say it's a throwback to the Blob. But it does the blob sort of mix with uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and The Thing from Another World. And it does them all very, very well. The makeup is about as disgusting as any movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, That's not necessarily a problem. Uh, I do think it's okay. I do think this is perhaps the biggest slap in the face to Texas since uh, Spongebob and Patrick. Uh, Yeah, still hurts. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's, it's actually a pretty decent movie. It's nowhere near as funny as it should have been. Like, I expect more from James Gunn, but this is 2006, so I think it's kind of like an early outing for him. I guess more than anything else, I'm kind of happy that a movie like this not only gets made, but also catapults its uh, director to uh, bigger projects like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, someone watched this little nothing of a movie and said, you know what, there's some real talent behind this. I'd like to see what else you can do, uh, you know, given the work that you'd put into it you know oh damn is yeah this is the first non-trauma movie he made that's a pretty big leap he's doing trauma movies he sure was oh that makes sense because at one point uh, you see on a tv in the background someone's watching uh, a fucking toxic avenger i was just like oh jesus please just stay on that (laughs) oh yeah he got his start in traumaville baby lloyd coffin shows up in that first guardians for like half a second Oh yeah, he does. I remember see- I was watching it with my dad. I was like, "Wait, what? Is- that's Lloyd Kaufman." <laughs> so uh, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, then I took the other Alex, little lady Alex. We haven't seen each other in a while. Out to the Alamo for the movie party version of Beetlejuice. I was a little apprehensive about this because I've been to some movie parties that were really good and some movie parties that were just awful and they ruined the movie. And I really like Beetlejuice. And Alex can literally quote Beetlejuice line by line. Which she demonstrated, and I was uh, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I hope people are going to ruin this. Like they, they showed this preview where like people are going to do like a conga line during the clips, oh, and there was fucking like, like, shoot me in right. the face, dude. Yeah, my sister's just like, oh, I really want to see Beetlejuice, and then she saw that, and she's like, I'm going to be busy. So I, I like, have oh. it on DVD. Goodbye. Yeah. So, so Alice is just like, you know, I'll go. I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, what could possibly? I really like that movie. We, we watched it. We sat there. Nothing went wrong. It was actually a really good experience. Everyone knew better than to make asses out of themselves. Most people didn't touch their props. They're just like, let's just watch this really good movie. Uh, Beetlejuice is perfect. Beetlejuice has no flaws. And it's kind of hard to say that about a work of art, but uh, if you don't like Beetlejuice, you have bad taste in movies and should jump off a bridge. I mean, uh, drive off a bridge and the comedy is dark. So, look, seriously... I love that movie so much. It, it keeps creeping up my favorite movies list every single time I watch it. It's in my top 20 movies. Like, seriously, it's at number 19 right now, I think. It's one of the things where uh, Brian Lloyd, one of the content curators for the Alamo Draft House DC, did a really good job explaining that every single person who's in this movie understands their assignment. And that goes not just for Michael Keaton, who really deserves, I think, more credit for this than Tim Burton does because he improvised 90% of his dialogue and also the look of the character and the character itself, really. And uh, it, But it also goes to Glenn Shaddix, who I would die for. Glenn Shaddix is just a, a revelation. I wish he had been in more movies, really. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is wonderful. Jeffrey Jones, patron there it of the is. podcast. Oh, I was edging so hard <laughs> waiting for it. <laughs> oh, man. I... 
seriously, everyone who's in this is just wonderful. The writing is spectacular. The, the comedic timing is great. Alec Baldwin, the only time he's ever had one chin. It's great. I love it. Uh, obviously, Gina Davis, who's... She's so good as a straight man in this, but she's also really funny in her own regard. They're very likable characters. I, I, I adore this movie. I'm so happy I got to see it again. And next time I watch it, it might be in my top five. I don't know. See, my uh, thing with I... Beetlejuice is like, I love it. It's really good, but I never like mm-hmm. think about it as one of my favorite movies. And like every couple of years around this time, like I'm sure I'll watch it again this month. I'm like, man, it's really fucking good. More people. Should... Hey, have you guys heard about this Beetlejuice thing? <laughs> And then I just don't think about it again. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Every single time you rewatch it, I, that's the thing. It's like I don't want to just leave it as like some. This is a really good movie. I think it's bigger than just a really big movie. I think this is an important piece of Americana. I think that this is before uh, Batman. This is the movie that really catapulted Tim Burton to being a household name. It's like obviously he had made Pee Wee's Big Adventure uh, before this and that was relatively big and people started talking about it. But this is like the Tim Burton look for everything. This is the most Tim Burton of Tim Burton movies. Or good Tim Burton movies. Both of and them. also, why not a writer imprinted on me in a powerful way to vulnerable age in my life? I could absolutely see that. Really she, shaped um, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what, her name is Lydia, right? Lydia in this yeah, movie. Between that, she's really Oh, yeah. you can really like a way, lot of trauma back to two <laughs> specific things. I just, I just want to say, Elvira more important to this country's national fabric than Dolly Parton, but it's close. Absolutely, like a gnat's wing. Uh, you know, there's a line from uh, Winona Ryder in here that really cracks me up. It's when uh, Beetlejuice is doing her voice, and she's like, "Yes, Beetlejuice is the man I want to marry." You asked me, and I'm answering. I love that man of mine. <laughs> it's just, it's. I think what makes it so funny to me is that Alex did that voice perfectly, and it was so funny the way that she says it because there's like <laughs> this little bite of sarcasm. I was like, "I love that man of mine." <laughs> uh, Seriously, even though she was quoting the whole movie, the lines she was quoting were so funny, I couldn't help but laugh. They're just good. Glenn Shaddock's, I, I think my all-time favorite line from him is, uh, someone asks, can't you do anything? He says, perhaps, if properly motivated. And uh, I think my, I know my dad's favorite line is, uh, she's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are lines in there that I wish I could think of. It's like some of those I have to give credit to Tim Burton for because they're the scenes without uh, uh, Michael Keaton. He's only in that movie for about 15 minutes. And should have won the Oscar, in my opinion. Uh, the line that Alec Baldwin says, he picks up the, the handbook for the recently deceased. He says, handbook for the recently diseased. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good bit. That can't be real. Check the publisher. Handbook for the recently deceased press. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I might here's watch that again this week, actually. Yes, please do. Honestly, no better Halloween movie, at least as far as, like, this is a good movie. You're going to watch this and go, like, wait, this is just better than every other movie I've seen. Uh, the other thing about it that I, I want to give credit to is I i don't think I've ever seen a movie make better use of miniatures than this movie. And maybe that's cheating because they're sort of built into the narrative. But... Either way, they look great, and they also play out well in the story. I, I, again, like, I, there's just not much to say about it that hasn't already been said. Michael Keaton is... he. No one makes a better use of 15 minutes than he does. Certainly not me. But he is just astonishing. I, I love every single thing that he does in this movie. And my one regret is that I couldn't take my sister, so I might have to get her the Blu-ray. So uh, I got home, and I sent her on her merry way, and I decided that... Oh, no is away the cat will watch wait the cat's away a second the mouse the... i believe there was an agreement that you two would watch a movie together 
Oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, before uh, before Beetlejuice. Believe. Yeah, before Beetlejuice, we actually uh, sat down and we watched Malignant. Now, here's the Count of Monte Cristo-esque twist here. Naughty, naughty, Alex. She knew the twist before she watched the movie. It's fucked up. It's fucked yeah, up. Unbelievable. You think you trust some people. Why anyway, did she not listen? Why did she explicitly I, keep <laughs> saying, hey guys, how do I watch this? Should I watch this? I, guys, I think I, I asked her... This? I think I asked her, and I think she just, like, looked at me and shrugged, and I was like, I can't argue with that, so... I'll never uh, understand women. She's gonna listen to this and, and do, like, a sort of Josh, and I was like, actually, that's not what I said. I was very mature in my answer. <laughs> but, uh, I also probably wasn't listening. Anyway, we watched Malignant, and she goes in there knowing what it... Also, she did sort of reveal to us. Remember when she texted us, what is that thing in the back of her mind in Malignant, and you, we both said it was Gabriel? Like... I was like, oh, oh yeah. wait. So she already watched it. Then she said she went, I was like, really? But you already know what's going on. Where's the fun of this? I'll tell you where the fun is, and the fun is watching it again. It's Actually, so this movie good. is still good on a rewatch. And in <laughs> fact, I think it's even better. Because now I know what they're trying to do, but everything, almost everything, makes sense. Everything is like, oh, I understand that they're doing this for this reason. I will say the Pixie song only plays twice. I thought it, it was more like a hundred like times. A lot more. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lot more, especially if you listen to our podcast. Uh, but it's so. It, it is actually. This is actually a really good movie. It is like, what is the flaw of *Malignant*? Whoa, that twist is silly. No kidding. Did you see the first five minutes of this movie? <laughs> I I uh, I really like. It. I thought this was very well done. Uh, it it works very well at what it sets out to do. It's. Uh, I think that's actually a pretty good twist. Uh, and it's it's funny, which is probably the most important thing in the entire thing. Uh, I don't know. I'd say *Malignant* is definitely worth rewatching. I, one day I hope to watch it with someone who doesn't know what's coming, but uh, that's okay. While the head coach is away, the Tennessee Titan fan will play, and I put on <laughs> I, I put on uh, Dave Chappelle, the closer, uh, the Netflix special that was recently released, and is a subject of quite some controversy. Parker, have you watched this special yet? I think I'm like three specials behind at this point. Then I will not talk about this special. <laughs> I uh, I decided I'd go back to the list, but I'd also kill off an assignment that you gave me. Parker, yes, I would like to bend the knee here and say it is wrong of me to have never seen The Hidden before it's this. so good, dude. This is one of the best fucking movies I've ever seen in my life, dude. No one ever <laughs> talks about it. it. I found it, like, randomly on Twitter one day, and I was like, oh, this looks cool, I should watch this. And then I saw it was on the list, so I downloaded it. It fucking rules, dude. So it starts off with one of the best car chases in movie history. No exaggeration. It's so fucking good. Uh, and then the story. The story is like this uh, bug alien that infects other people, and it goes around doing crimes and uh, just, you know, living out a sort of hedonistic lifestyle and also trying to avoid capture. It's kind of like a Men in Black sort of thing. And it's being hunted by uh, uh, an FBI agent played by Kyle MacLachlan and uh, a cop who doesn't know it's an alien. Kyle MacLachlan does know, in fact, that's an alien. Now, Parker, I went on to r slash fan theories, and... Oh. Uh, yeah, we got a fan theory here. Actually, I found at least five reasons why I think that Kyle McLaughlin's character in this movie is also an alien. Get out of town. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's just like, I was watching the entire, I was like, this seems like something that Reddit would be like, you know, if you really think about it, there is substantial evidence, circumstantial evidence, that says Kyle McLaughlin's character might be an alien. I was like, I knew as soon as I saw him walk in and turn his shoulders like this. <laughs> it's, 
this is such a good movie though like everything that they do works and it all works in like the context of what it does i think if i could make any improvement to it the only thing i would do is i would make kyle mclaughlin's character less obvious because you can do everything that this movie does just with that dialogue and he doesn't necessarily need to give the starman-esque performance but it's it's still good the way that it is. I, I don't really have a tremendous amount of criticisms. I, I think everyone ought to watch this. It's really, really good. It's I don't know how it doesn't get talked about more, because as you know with horror fans, even the shittiest movie after like a couple decades gets the reappraisal. This is a secret masterpiece. Here's a fucking Scream Factory Blu-ray of it in 2K. No one ever talks about it, and it's really, really good in an actual real movie. Yeah, well, I haven't seen a whole lot of other things by the director. The only other things I've seen are A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. The good one. And Wishmaster 2, Evil oh, Never Dies. The, the other good one. <laughs> the one. <laughs> the one I signed to you just for you to watch one scene I could have just sent you the YouTube link for. Yeah. Ugh. The game of games well, that, comes for us all. Yeah. Well, uh, The Hidden's quite good. I, I admit The Hidden's great, but... Uh, then I moved on to another movie from the list. Unfortunately, one I've already seen. A uh, little known movie, but uh, I do have experience with it. It's called The Exorcist. And uh, so excited for this conversation because I right, just spent I'm, like my entire shift watching the red letter media videos on Exorcist one and three, just to oh shit, I should myself watch with them. Well, I'll tell you this: the first thing I, I wanted to do when I got home after watching The Exorcist was rewatch Exorcist three. I didn't get time so to do good. it, but I, I feel like I should. Uh, I, I'm trying not to just read off my extremely long letterbox review verbatim, but uh, it would provide a bit of a guiding point here. Uh, I'll put it to you like this. I, I started really watching movies, like seriously watching movies in college, and that was going to be my hobby, and it just ended up sticking. And one of uh, the great movies of our time, I actually did start with a list. It was the, uh, I think it was the AFI list of the top 100 American movies. The Exorcist is on there and pretty high. I was like, okay, I've never seen this. It seems like I ought to know this. For the, at least for the sake of cultural literacy, right? And it did nothing for me. I thought it was just really boring. I thought it was kind of trite. It, it certainly wasn't scary. Um, here's the thing. Part of this is my fault. Uh, it was the theatrical cut that I had downloaded. And it was in the form of a 700 megabyte AVI file. And uh, I watched it on my laptop. So it's like, yeah, maybe optimal. I'm the asshole here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know that feeling, though, you know? That's oh, back when oh, we were watching movies that way. <laughs> I think I've said a couple times, like, The Exorcist has never landed for me. But I bet if I saw it in a theater, it would immediately go up two stars. Oh, yeah. there's so, so many things just about, like, even all the scenes in the hospital were, like, it's just loud and overbearing. But I'm at home like, oh, shit, that bass is going to fuck up my floor. My neighbor's going to hear that. Let me turn this down and ruin the vibe yeah. entirely. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, there's that. It's also... How do I put this? I, I don't like the idea, or at least I didn't like the idea that like the scariest thing in that movie is is this possessive demon saying bad words. It's like, really? That's supposed to scare me? Like, Look, as a Catholic, as the target audience for this sort of thing, the devil's supposed to be a lot scarier than that. Well, she's gross, she throws up a bit. Even the spider walk, which, yes, is in this version. Everyone always talks about, did you watch the one with the spider walk? Yeah, fine, it's in. That's not even the best part of that scene. The best part of that scene is when she opens her mouth and the blood comes out. I Although just it remember... did lead to... Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm sorry. No. Like, it aired on, like, TBS or some shit, the version you'd never seen, and... That's I what had, they call it, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't seen... I had never seen the whole movie in one sitting, so I knew some of the beats. So I'm sitting there just watching it on daytime TV, and it just does the jump cut to that, and my fucking soul left my body. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was, like, 
14, I think. I was not prepared to feel it. That being said, in the version you've never seen before, which came out in 2000, so everyone's seen it by now. So now they just call it the extended edition. Yeah, that's literally like the $5 DVD the right you see in stores is the version you've never seen. Yeah, uh, it, could be a, it could be a lot of movies for me. Uh, it's a, That scene is in it, the spider walk scene, is actually in far lower quality than everything else because I don't think they ever really finished it, so you could kind of tell where they erased the wires. That were oh, yeah, out. those wires yeah. are not yeah. in particularly well. Yeah, that, which is fine, though. It's fine because it actually still looks good, and it the way that's inserted into the movie is good. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that everyone always talks about it. I'm like, there's other stuff. Uh, so here's the thing. Look, I was a younger kid back then. I was only I was only like 19, 20 years old, and I I don't know, I was a different person, but ever since I watched it, I've turned closer to God. I've lo- I've lost my mother, um, and I've I've watched like 2000 more movies, and I uh, got my own job, got my own place. I'm I'm effectively a different person, a different viewer, and I also know that I get things wrong all the time. I'm as often wrong as I am right. So I decided I'd give it another chance in the theater at the Alamo Draft House in Loudoun, and I loved it. I think this movie is a masterpiece. It's a great piece of American art. I think everyone needs to see this, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why. the first thing is that it's a lot slower. They added 18 minutes, and they really take their time. I think this is maybe the slowest horror movie I've ever seen, and that works so well in its favor. More so than anyone would anticipate, because it follows the pacing of the book. The book's actually pretty good. So, one of the things about it is that it kind of feels like the there's care taken, right? There's care taken to creating this realistic, believable environment, rather than the sort of fantasy setting. And taking that time to really set up the environment, this is real, this is grounded, these are humans. And that's the other thing, is that they characterize all these people, you know a lot about these individuals. That That's what makes the uh, possession and the gruesome events to come so much more distressing. They stand out against that backdrop of a normal world. I can't believe I'm making this reference, but it reminds me of Venom. Uh, Venom, the first <laughs> one, has a realistic environment, and that's what makes uh, that characters stand out so much. Uh, the other 18 minutes are used in very small ways. They actually cut out one of the scenes from the, the theatrical version that I thought was a good idea. They cut out the, ver- the the scene where it's the party at their house and Reagan comes downstairs and has a normal conversation with the guests. In this one, she just comes downstairs, uh, urinates, and tells one guy he's going to go to hell and they stop the party right there. It's a lot more effective. I thought it was a waste of time just having her have a regular conversation because we know at that point that there's something wrong with her. It has to be a bit of a progression in order to get there. They do a great job with that. Uh, the other thing here, this is very funny. This is going to get to um, a movie that I watched uh, tonight. Uh, they say this is with a whole different ending. Uh, I am going to spoil the different ending of uh, the extended edition of The Exorcist. In the original theatrical version of The Exorcist, uh, Chris McNeil, played by Ellen uh, uh, Burstyn, gives that amulet, with that, uh, that Christian amulet that uh, fucking Max von Sydow found in the desert, to the priest, to Father Dyer. And she drives away. In this one, she gives it to him, and he gives it back to her, and she drives away. That's the <laughs> difference. The other thing, I have to admit, the other thing that does make this any good is that they add in a scene with Lee J. Cobb, the director, uh, forming a friendship with Father Dyer. That is so helpful to set up the events of The Exorcist 3. For some reason, they skipped over Exorcist 2. I can only imagine why. Uh, now, I'm not... 
I'm not really embarrassed uh, to admit that I got this movie completely wrong. And I know I got it completely wrong. I'm just happy that I come away appreciating something that deserves to be appreciated. All right. It's a finely crafted narrative with... Uh, really, it's all about the story. I, I really like the story. I really like the characters. I love the depth. See, I think that's really why I like this movie more than almost every single horror movie ever made. Is because... William Friedkin and the rest of his crew went out to try to make a great movie. Most other horror movies I see do not have that ambition. They are trying to make what they know they can make. That is not necessarily a problem. There is no problem with just saying, hey, I know my limitations. I, I'm just trying to make this movie the way that I can. But there's no problem with shooting for the stars. You don't miss every single time. And William Friedkin proved that. Uh now I admit that, like, hey, maybe, maybe uh, I'm getting it different. Maybe it's just because I'm different. Maybe it's not because uh, the movie itself is different. The extended edition, because, like, really, the theatrical version is the one that won all the awards. That's the one that popularized horror movies more than any other movie in existence, probably. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I will say that this, seeing it in theaters. I have never seen a 1970s movie that looks this good, with the possible exception of The Godfather. Uh, the atmosphere is fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I really, really loved it. I think everyone needs to give this another shot. If, they, if you didn't like it the first time, watch the extended edition. If you still love it, hey, sorry I was late jumping on the bandwagon. So what was it about this that made you do a complete 180 this time? I think it was the pacing. The pacing was a really big part of it. Is that I, I remember just not liking I think the first time I watched it, I really do have a memory of this. I remember watching it, and all of a sudden she's on the bed and it's shaking. I was like, that's so stupid. You know, that, that just absolutely does nothing for me. And in this, there's a really slow burn to get there. It's like this starts off with the desert scene with Max von Sydow. That's great. I, I learn a lot more about the priests in this one. Great. They're my favorite characters. I, I learn more about the doctors. I, I learn more about the, the people who, uh, who work in that house. I, I don't want to call them servants, but... Uh, they're, I guess, like housekeepers or something like that, you know? Because Chris McNeil is, in the movie, an actress. I think that's maybe the one scene I'd cut, her scene where she's shooting a movie. Very good camera work. Uh, I don't know why it's in there. You could just say she's an actress. I'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I believe you. It. I don't need that yeah. scene. I don't, yeah, it's just... Ellen Burson is an actress. Oh, word? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> uh, I will say, the, the, I guess my only plot hole of the movie is... Every single time Linda Blair leaves her bed, how does she get back in it? Because that has to take quite some effort. Especially, I think my biggest one is after the spider walk scene. She spider walks down the stairs, which is almost impossible. Like, spurts blood out of her mouth, and the scene ends. So they go to the next scene. It's like, I'm not touching her. You touch her. I don't want to put her in there. How is she being fed this entire time? I'm not going into that room. I don't even know you anymore. Well, uh, if you read the book... Which I read last year, and now I just want to watch the movie again. Boy, the devil sure does make her have diarrhea a whole lot. And there's just all these yeah. things about how the room just, even when it's freezing cold, just smells like shit yeah. and vomit. It's like, man, yeah, this book is painting a picture that you cannot paint in a movie. Yeah. It is a very uh, good book. I really love that it book. Is a, it is a very good book. Uh, I, I guess I might as well tell the same story that I always tell about The Exorcist. Back when I worked for the federal government, my dad would drive me to work. Every single time we drove past them, my dad would wake me up. Because he wakes up at 5 in the morning to go to work. My shift doesn't start till 9. Thanks, Dad. And he'd, like, punch me in the arm more than enough to wake me up. He'd be like, hey, check it out. See those steps? That's where they filmed the exit. Yeah, they filmed that one scene where he falls down the stairs. That's where they filmed it. Thanks, Dad. 
I love that for you. Every single morning. <laughs> I don't know why you thought I didn't know it. Uh, but yeah, that's where they did it. And uh, I'm on a good scene. You know, I uh, I don't have much to say about it beyond the fact that it's very, very good. But I, I do I, I do admit that uh, I like this. How do I put this? I don't feel a need to rewatch it again because it's kind of a, a tough one to, to rewatch because it is pretty gruesome. But it's so well done. And I really like this story. I really like this narrative. I really like the music that says it. I like the atmosphere. And one of the reasons that it works so well is because I care about the characters a lot more. And not Reagan specifically, but the characters around her. It really does a good job of showing that when one patient has an ailment, it has an outward effect where people caring for that person are negative, negatively affected. I, I cared for a family member who was suffering from cancer and that was really, really tough on the entire family. Uh, and that's one of the things about it is you care, I think you care more about Ellen Burson's character than you care about uh, uh, Linda Blair's because you you see how distressed she is over her daughter and you want her daughter to get better at least for her sake. And the movie does a really good job of showing that. And I, I was happy to see that, for example. Um, and what else does this one do better? Tell you what, the fact that the pacing helps it in this way. I, I said before that I didn't like the fact that the the devil, he calls himself the devil, and in uh, Heretic, he's, he's revealed to be Pazuzu, which sounds like a Sesame Street character. Man, really one of the smartest calls was to not say Pazuzu in this movie. Yeah. So, uh, I, I never thought it was very scary, and I, I don't think, if someone asked, like, what was, your, what was the scariest scene in uh, The Exorcist, I used to say the subliminal images of the demon's face popping up every once in a time, because I was like, wait, what? Uh, and in this one, strangely enough, uh, it's actually where the demon swears. I thought the scariest scene in the movie is the first time her head turns around. I think it was after the uh, the crucifix. They call it the crucifix masturbation scene, but I, I just want to issue a, a semantic correction. That's not masturbating. Uh, that That's molestation at best uh i would say this mutilation i call it the the crucifix mutilation scene um right after that reagan's head turns all the way around and she linda blair does a great job in the scene she has this look of gleeful menace and mercedes mccambridge does an even better job by picking a third voice she does uh two other voices in the in the movie uh but the third one she she affects an accent for some reason and she says uh i'm not going to do the voice she says do you know what she did? Your cunting daughter? The sentence doesn't even make sense. It's not even grammatically correct. She just invents a word. But it's the look on Linda Blair's face combined with the voice that Mercedes McCambridge does. It makes it so effective. I, I was like, I can't believe I like that scene. That scene haunted me when I went to bed. Uh, so I can't believe I Again, look, I get stuff wrong. I get stuff wrong all the time. And I, I'm here to admit it. What are you laughing at? Cool. Did that seem make you laugh? Cromulent fuck crust. cunt crust. I'm sorry. I was trying to keep it to myself. Oh, man. But I'm also just reminiscing of, you know, because it's a movie, movie that would just air on TV, you know, and you'd catch it. It's like, oh, it's edited. It's not going to be that bad. But then the first time I saw that, the version you've never seen before, when I just saw the giant Pazuzu face, I thought I had died for a second. It scared me <laughs> so fucking bad. I was uh, like, oh, I've seen this movie. That wasn't there before. Hey, did you guys see that? I think maybe that's one thing that the theatrical version did a little bit better because it seems that it was just sort of inserted randomly in the theatrical one. Yeah. It was just like, huh. Whereas in this version, 
I, I think they just uh, they put it in in a way that makes too much sense. You know, uh, it was like, oh, I, I get it. That's the demon, and it's associated with that. The first time I was, I was like, what the fuck is that? Whereas in this one, there's literally like a, a transparent overlay of the demon's face on Linda Blair's body during the exorcism, and I'm like, no, I know, I get it. Yeah, I got it, movie. Yeah. Or like she's in the uh, kitchen, and it's just on like the giant like oven top. You're like, oh, what's that doing there? Yeah. What it was like doing? I'm looking at the races, and I'm like. What? Oh yeah, when it was on the oven top, that was really good. Holy like, shit! Just, the, just remembering, yeah. I don't like the overlays that much, but that first time I just saw the flash of that face, like, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, bad time that night. I I was the same way. That was the scene that got me. Uh, you know, the other thing I want to give a lot of credit to Jason Miller, who I don't know if he did anything else besides Exorcist Three. Um, he's great in this. He's wonderful. I I thought he was excellency so much fun also the dialogue in this is really good i the dialogue is just so well written uh it's funnier than i was expecting although nowhere near as funny as the audience seemed to think that it was people laughing at this movie yeah. when she says bad words and stuff i'm like come on that's this, like, this, I would this love movie's to see really not theater, cheesy but also i'd rather see in the theater by myself Dude, if I had watched this, today, I'm, I'm not kidding. I actually took a crucifix with me. It's uh, one that uh, Stephanie got me. It, actually, one that was in the Holy Land. So, oh, wait, that's where Max von Sydow got his thing. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Well. <laughs> Something that uh, the Red Letter Media thing pointed out that I didn't think mm-hmm. of either. It's like, as a child, I didn't know who Max von Sydow was. So I'm like, oh, it's just this old man. And then when he was in Force Awakens, I was like, Wait, this is 50 years later. Why does he look like that now? Yeah. <laughs> I just so, thought he was an old man back then. Unfortunately, I did know who Max von Sydow was, and not because of The Seventh Seal, one of the greatest works of art of all time. I knew it because of Strange Brew. <laughs> he's the bad guy in Strange Brew, yeah, which I'd seen like 20 times. I was just like, oh, he's a, he's a Catholic in this. So, uh, great I'm... movie. I, I don't know how uh, the Vatican feels about this movie. I wonder if they have it on their great religious movies <laughs> list. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm jealous of your experience. Because for some reason, this is a movie I just want to click with me. Because like, all the pieces are there, but I feel like yeah. every time I give it a shot, which granted, like I said, has been at home in an apartment where it's easy to drift while it's taking its time. Because I have crippling ADD and I'm not in the Dude, Alamo. Or if looking, I pull my phone out, I'll get the shit beat out of me. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I am the exact same way. And I, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to see it at the Elmo. I could have skipped this. I, I skipped a nap in order to see this. I skipped, uh, what else did I skip? I skipped a Red Sox playoff game, in which we won with at least one Grand Slam. Yes, and sir. I think it was worth it. I think this was a this was a great moment in history. It was a great decision. I'm very so, happy uh, for you. I am very happy for myself. On uh, the subject of uh, movies that you want to click with you, but they don't seem to... If I can find a way to watch Alien in theaters, I think that go a long way to improving that movie for me. Because I saw it and I was like, I guess it's all right, but it it just didn't do anything for me. Uh, I I will admit the movie doesn't scare me perhaps as much as it scares everyone else, but like I I think I know my own limitations now. I I I have a very hard time getting scared by movies. Uh, And if I could take away at least like one like the the sense of dread about it, you know. And at least one scene that haunted me, you know, when I got home. It's like, at least that's something for me. Because, uh, like I said, like, it's never clicked with me fully, but I was still spending all night on my shift tonight watching videos about it, watching people, like, watching YouTube videos about, like, theories and stuff about that. And then at one point, after the store shut down, I had to go up into one of the front soccer rooms, and the lights were off in there, and I was like... Okay. <laughs> like, I'm 30... I'm not even watching the movie. I'm 31 years old, and there was a second of... 
Okay, it's fine. There's no one up here. <laughs> it's fine. We just uh, tiptoe on in here. It's fine. So I hope to have that experience one day. Yeah. You know what? Great movie. Uh, I don't know that I'll buy the Blu-ray because I don't know that I want to rewatch this anytime soon, but uh, I'm glad that's in my favorite movies list. And I, just, so, uh, I always bump up against the demon voice in anything. The silly, <laughs> overmodulated demon voice just always puts me off. So the reason it worked for me in this one is A, multiple demon voices coming from the same actress who did work very, very hard at this. And you can read about the work that she put into making it uh, operate the way that it does. Uh, but also it's the words that really get me. Even there's a point in the movie where she starts speaking French. Now this is important from a narrative perspective because the Catholic Church would not approve an exorcism unless uh, she starts speaking a language she had no way of knowing. At one point, she starts speaking Latin, which is a dead language, and there's no way that Reagan would know that anyway. But then she shifts from Latin because she wants to mess around with Father Karras, and she starts speaking French. And I speak a little bit of French, and at one point she says, La plume de ma tante. La plume de ma tante means the, the pen of my aunt, uh, which you might say, that sounds completely fucking irrelevant. That is, in fact, the point. That, that is a, a sentence fragment in French that is so irrelevant, it's actually taught in French as an example of something that is completely irrelevant. It's it's now a throwaway line in France, I guess, I guess Quebec, to say la plume de maton if something is completely irrelevant. And she is explained to Father Karras that uh, what she, who she is and what she does uh, and what she says is irrelevant. And uh, I, I thought that was so great. It was so like understated and it works just wonderfully. Uh, I boy, I, I like this. You know, one of the great DC movies really makes you think, Chris, doesn't it? You know, it's like uh, you know, the demons. You know, Democrat. Look at the first four letters in there. Biden. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Man, anyway. I just remembered the fucking scene where like you can hear the different devil voices arguing, and my beehole just tightened up. I'm gonna watch this again. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Again, the extended edition, I think, is a lot better. And even though it's two hours and twenty minutes. I could have stayed for three. I could have stayed for three hours and 20 minutes, honestly. I saw 220 and I was just like, I need this. I need to really get every single second that I can out of this movie. And it was worth it. Again, extraordinarily slow burn. And that is just the way that I want it. I think that the movie doesn't work unless it proceeds at the pace that it does. So that being said, hey, I'm probably wrong because everyone loved the theatrical version. You go back and you actually read about the theatrical release, the one that came out on December 26, 1973. That changed the scape of movies forever. That is probably the most influential horror movie of all time, with the possible exception of the original uh, either Psycho or Halloween for the slasher genre but the exorcist really popularized horror movies like really because before this we get dracula the wolfman maybe psycho maybe the birds Th those were those were more like suspense movies this is horror this is the haze code is over we want to make this as hard r as we can which again <clears throat> so william friedkin uh great on this one great on sorcerer i wonder what else he did uh was he involved with exorcist 3 which i might be rewatching. Um, i don't think he was also, I strong recommend to go on YouTube searching for The Exorcist, and like one of the top ten things is news footage from people walking out of the theater horrified. You know what my favorite thing is? One more thing. We, we talked about this for almost an hour now, and I just want to make some clear here. One of the most gratifying things about seeing this in a theater is you've heard about theater experiences with The Exorcist. People were given barf bags. People were, you know, people were sickened at some sort of sites, and people were fainting, and people were protesting. Uh... I got some of that in my theater. I actually got people who were so scared that they, 
I don't know how to say this, but audibly looked away. Uh, like, uh, w here's one of the most famous scenes. And I love this uh, scene specifically because it makes everyone really squirm. And I think you might know where I'm going with this. It's the blood scene in the hospital where he had said uh, Dude, the blood transition, the, I, I the blood spreading out. Dude, they the fucking... reason that's so scary is because that's so realistic. They, they actually had a guy who does that type of uh, blood transfusion sort of thing. And that's what it's supposed to look like. It's the most realistic scene in the movie, and it's so hard to look at. And I'll say it again, but I was watching the Red Letter Media thing. They were talking about that scene. They cut to it. I fucking looked away from my phone. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. I yeah. do not like it. Imagine seeing that on a, on a screen as big as your house. Fuck no. It was, the it sound, was like, great. Just having my AirPods in, the sounds of those machines worrying as she's like screaming it's like oh yeah, yeah so overwhelming <laughs> but yeah, again i'll yeah. try to watch at home it's like oh my neighbors are gonna hear it's laid out it's past a quiet hour so i gotta turn it down so you know i don't i haven't had that experience yet i have to admit you know maybe i'm not giving that that crowd enough credit here uh because one of the scenes that they laughed at i now realize was probably nervous laughter uh, <laughs> i would call it the bilber <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> laughter uh which is there was the one right after the the spider crawl scene because Again, she just scoots down those stairs. Uh, she's not even sneaking. She's scooting. And blah, and all the blood comes out. It just cuts to the next scene. Because they didn't have an edit point in there. So it just has to hard cut to the next scene. And other people are like, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Yeah, I, that like, hard cut is so jarring. <laughs> and the, the other thing is that you can hear like this crowd. At least five people behind me right over here. There was one girl in that group who, of course, is sitting in the center of all of them, who, again, audibly looking away, and they're, like, kind of laughing, and she's like, is it God yet? And they're just like, uh, no, the movie is still on. Uh, she has not been exercised yet. You got so, ways to go. You do realize, like, one of the deaths happened off screen. So, in fact, I think there's only one on screen. Yeah, technically only one on screen kill. Uh, and it's a guy killing himself. Which Same uh, with, uh the third area, one. Catholic a lot Church. of brutal murders, but they're all off screen. I yeah, but there's that one scene in Exorcist that Three. That's that's oh, one I'd really like to see. That's another one that's more haunting than scary. Man, if they weren't both so long, that'd be a fun back to back. But that that's a day right there. See, I'm kind of I'm kind of weird about Exorcist Three because I was looking at that one up, but apparently there's there's deleted scenes in that one. I'm like, oh man, is that one oh, better too? Oh, you better believe there's an original version that finally got a Blu-ray release. Oh, oh buddy. Well. So, so much for that credit it. card. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, yeah, Exorcist was uh, very good, and I, I had a very, very good time with that. But uh, there's even more that I watched. Uh, I watched a, a documentary on the Velvet Underground. It's called The Velvet Underground. And uh, I, I do, I do kind of like the band. They have some songs that I like, but it's important to remember that they weren't very good at music. And uh, they had a, an intense rivalry with the Mothers of Invention, who were the better band and that's all i have to say about that and uh last one that uh actually two more oh my god sorry two more here i gotta talk about one of which is something that alex assigned me and is one of the best movies i've ever seen parker have you seen no retreat no surrender Four, aka the king of the kicks the king of the kickboxers not yet Dude. let me be very specific not yet <laughs> i want to make something equally clear here this will change your life. <laughs> this is, I have, this is on like, how do I put this? It's like if Troll 2 and The Room were like way more watchable than they are. Like the acting is genuinely some of the worst I've ever seen. There is, I'm not kidding, a visible boom mic very early on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 
Like, the last time I saw Invisible Boom Mike was in fucking Black Dynamite, and that was a joke. In this one, it's just like, no, it's just there. We're not gonna... I don't fucking care. Kick of the Kickboxers, I, I, I was laughing so hard. Every single line is just like, look, if you can't act, then at least scream your lines. <laughs> and it works so well. Uh, it's... Dude, this is going to change you. All right, this is going to change you physically, emotionally, maybe spiritually. Um, and one last one that I watched. This is a. I'll try to make this one brief. I, I took my sister to the Alamo tonight to see. Man, I saw a lot of movies at the Alamo. Uh, this is why I didn't have time to go see Halloween Kills. I was like, I'm not gonna have money for that. Uh, yeah, I took her to to go see Little Shop of Horrors, the director's cut. Now, I had taken her to see it before. Uh, we had never seen it. We had gone in blind, and I think it was a couple years ago. And uh, we watched it at a movie party, and we loved it. We thought it was hysterical. We loved the music. We loved the, the look of the thing. Just a great movie. It's, it's just wonderful. And we're like, yeah, hey, let's see it again. We get free popcorn. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, the director's cut has a completely different ending. And I didn't tell my sister this is the director's cut, so I kind of want to see it. It's like, oh, I don't know. And so we're laughing. We're having a good time, and it gets to the ending, which... It, I'll spoil this one. So the original theatrical cut of uh, Little Shop of Horrors is the plant kind of kills itself and Ellen Green and uh, Rick Moranis walk off into the sunset in their beautiful little tract house and uh, Jim Belushi's there. In this one, uh, the the plant eats both Ellen Green and Rick, Rick Moranis and Paul Dooley is there instead of Jim Belushi and the plant propagates itself across the United States and all the grow to like the size of giants and there are all these plant kaijus eating subways and they take over the earth and the three background singers say don't feed the plants and it just ends. Hell yeah dude. <laughs> and, and Beatrice is just like I forgot that Ellen Green died and I'm like None of that happened in the original. This is a completely different ending. And Beatrice is like, I thought I was having an episode. <laughs> broke she she thought it was a completely different movie. But um, still a great movie. Uh, I think I prefer the original one just because I like a happy ending. But music was good. Uh, I liked it a lot. Some things I forgot about that I still love. Christopher Guest, still the best cameo in movie history. I'll, I'll defend that one to the death. But the other one is the second best cameo. is by Bill Murray in that movie who, at the absolute top of his game, just really selling it as a masochist. And it, it's just so funny. That it's it's so cute the way that he plays it. I, I had such a great time. The other thing is here, Rick Moranis, incredibly underrated singer. Like, he does all his own singing in this song, in this, in this movie, and he is going for it. He sounds great. Also, more movies need uh, black female singers in the background. I think that would be great. That's what Hercules did so well. <laughs> Imagine if they were in The Evil Dead. I feel like we could talk Raimi into doing something like that. I think we could. Anyway, Parker, what did you watch? Oh, boy. Uh, more than the last couple weeks but not as many as you Jesus yeah I well also the exorcist took up a while it did so um y'all talked about bond last week and while <laughs> i haven't gotten to see the new one yet i've literally only seen brosnan and craig bond movies in my whole gd life no connery so, wow wouldn't you know it most of the connery movies are on hulu so we fired up dr no so here's the thing literally decades of parodies i've seen austin powers more times than i will ever see any bond movie combined just because that's how my family was mm -hmm. 
And with that being said, that very first reveal of him happens playing cards, and my immediate thought was, this is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yep, I absolutely. understand it now. <laughs> this is the coolest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. Uh, God, the colors everywhere, everything pops on screen in every single location. All the elaborate, stupid, expensive sets. The dragon. <laughs> yes. I wasn't expecting the reveal of the dragon, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Doctor No is an interesting one as the debut of James Bond. So you think back to it, these are a bunch of books written by Ian Fleming. Here's one of the most important ways to get your book popular. Have the President of the United States say that he likes it. So John F. Kennedy was asked what his favorite books were. He said, I like James Bond. And as soon as he said that, everyone around the country was like, what the hell did he say? And then the newspapers printed it, and they were like, oh, let's go buy James Bond books. <laughs> and so many people were buying James Bond books that Hollywood was like, okay, we can make a movie out of this. They selected Dr. No, and from there, uh, some other stuff happened. And uh, I don't know where it's going with this. Did you like it? <laughs> I did. I don't think it's anyone's favorite, and I could, there were definitely points where I was it's like... At, wait, oh, actually, yeah. Alex said it's his favorite. Oh, really? No, oh, I, mind just, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make there, it swerve. He's going to listen to this, he's, <laughs> and he's just going to call me up and scream at me. <laughs> there were definitely points where I was like, all right, let's let's get this going. It, there's it's some like, rough going, yeah. It's the first one, like, and from everything I understand, the next one is, like one of everyone's favorites so, yeah like, from not... russia with love is my favorite of all yeah, the bond it's, movies it's not bad by any means a little slow but also literally every movie from that time period is slow so you know it's, yeah you get what you pay for 1962 yeah. wasn't anywhere near the best year for movies i'll tell you that no. much but going in with and even like as it's going on the entire end i was like Oh wow, Austin Powers just took literally just Doctor No. <laughs> I thought it was more of an amalgamation of them all. But they even they, then, they like, took other stuff, I, I think. But like Doctor yeah, No was a big one. That <laughs> whole layer, everything yeah. about it, the fucking the acid, everything. It's but nice also, to have that, right? You know, it's nice yeah. to have it as a reference point. But even with all of that, knowing these solely by parody, like I think I can count on one hand how many Sean Connery movies I've seen in my life. LXG is definitely one of them. Don't look at it. It's fine. <laughs> but, like, I get it now. I totally get it. <laughs> Completely divorced from all the parodies and references and everything that have been around longer than I've been alive. Like, oh, no, I fucking get it. This is mm -hmm. the coolest shit I've ever seen. Yep. Um, I'll watch them all eventually. I'm not going to binge through them because that will just... Yeah. You're close to stop. seeing more than I have already. <laughs> That'll stop being fun really quickly. So I, got, I don't even remember how far I got. I don't think I made it to Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, surprisingly enough, I really like Thunderball. I was like, wow, that's actually really good. I went in like, I should probably watch some more of these. Jetpack. The oldest one I've seen is fucking Goldeneye. I should at least watch like one from each of the Bonds. I was like, you really should. Oh, no, well. I'm in. <laughs> well, um, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just not watch them all. That's that thing you and I do all the time, right? Dude, even I haven't watched them. I haven't even watched even 50% of them, I don't think. I'll make a list for you. But no. I gotta uh, get through those 50 cowboy movies. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Alright, I'll gift you the box. <laughs> on fucking VHS. I don't, want him to, I don't want him to feel bad about this. <laughs> he knows what he did. <laughs> Your grandma nice. knitted that sweater just for you. I don't care if it has the N-word <laughs> on it. You have to wear it to church. 
it's like the sweaters Ron's mom makes for Harry. <laughs> that reminds me, my sister my sister uh, showed me a picture that she's like, Dad doesn't like the sweater I got. It's, it's a sweater, it just has a cursive in the upper left-hand corner. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I was like, wow, that kind of goes with my ensemble here. <laughs> Alright, so I was able to knock out a couple of assignments. I planned on more, but this I move has been a yeah. fucking nightmare. <laughs> been there. So, uh, Alex assigned me the in-betweeners, which he described as, I don't know why it hurt, it's like the British version of American Pie. Now, I assume that he assigned this just so I could tell him if it's worth watching or not. So, uh, obviously the whole thing's just joke, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through it. But uh, Alex, now that you're listening, let me just tell you one of the jokes from the movie. They all meet up on the train, they're all going to go off to Greece or some shit to party. And the guy's like, alright, I made everyone matching shirts, 15 apiece, 20 bucks for you. And he hands them all out, and on the front, they're giant matching pink shirts. And on the front is a giant cat with a humongous cock, and it says Pussy Patrol. P-U-S-S-A-Y. And on the back, everyone has personalized ones. There's Mr. Big Knob, Mr. Lady Killer, and Mr. I Fuck Kids. So Alex, uh... Pretty strong recommend. You'll have a wonderful time. It's very good. I can't, I can't believe they just named off all our nicknames on this. Exactly. Tag yourself. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones stands up a little too quickly. <laughs> uh, my knob is quite. No, sit down. <laughs> uh, one of the only other things I'll add because, <laughs> like. If none of us have seen American Pie, I wouldn't just fucking go through. And then this scene, this joke happens. Like it's, right, yeah. it's that kind of movie. Yeah. But man, British slang is really funny. Gash is a very funny word for vagina, as it turns out. <laughs> that is such a funny it, word. It's such a weird fucking slang term. It's actually kind of disgusting, really. It's so gross. <laughs> so the next assignment. So, uh... So this Tommy kid, he's like the Billy Mitchell of pinball? Is that what I'm to understand? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, my sister wants to issue a clarification here. Uh-huh. Uh, she's very embarrassed. She says Tommy is not her favorite movie of all time. It's only her most watched, and it's somewhere in her top five. Her number one favorite movie of all time is actually Fight Club. I did not know that. So, so. so Fight Club, couple spaces, know. Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta... Okay. <laughs> But uh, I will tell you this. I don't want to jump all over your review or anything, but I saw your letterbox score of a three and a half, and Beatrice was uh, very happy to hear that. Like, look, it's not for me, but, like, I can be objective. Like, I like that this exists, and I wish more movies like this existed. I wish they would give weirdos like Ken Russell, like, hey, go make a two-hour rock opera movie. I wish that was still happening today. This is only two hours? I thought it was, like, three. It felt like it at times my sister i swear every single time i would come home from school she'd be on the tv and she'd have the cbd i'm like are you serious again <laughs> i've seen my too many bits and pieces of this <laughs> but also like i just don't really like the who so like that's the main barrier but i could still appreciate uh, like dad, okay, dad it's okay just if i didn't give a shit about this band what else is going on and it's visually striking that's for goddamn sure like, yeah it stands uh, out in a way that I don't see in movies very often. It would very much like to see. To throw some hot takes out here, uh, vastly superior versions of both Pinball Wizard and uh, Acid Queen. Absolutely. 
Yeah, those are good. I My sister not. used to hate Tina Turner because she prefers Roger Daltrey. And yes, Barker, Baba O'Reilly Reed. Thank you. I'm just jealous I didn't say it first. It's such a good line. <laughs> it was either going to be that or just like, I don't know, man, I watched this whole two-hour movie. I kept waiting for Chris Farley to show up. He fucking, he lied to me. I think the best part about the, the, the Baba O'Reilly Reed one is, is uh, the double joke that it comes with MVD of saying that was her uh, Beatles period. <laughs> <laughs> this is her Strawberry so... Fields Forever performance. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, like, I'm trying to not just be like, oh, I don't know, I don't like it. But also, like, I don't like the music in it, except for Pinball Wizard and Acid Queen. Those are two very good songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my jam. I will never put on the soundtrack, but I'm very happy I watched it. And it was at two hours. Look, I've seen plenty of musicals that weren't two hours. This one flew by. Yeah. Until the very end, at that point. I don't, he's, I, taking a, he's taking a sweet ass time singing in that lake. I'm like, I, I haven't actually. Let's I, go. I haven't actually seen the whole thing start to finish. So interesting. Yeah, my sister doesn't get to do movie bets with me, so <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, considering what we've both seen, <laughs> I wonder if she would like Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> the answer is one way to find out. Yeah. <laughs> How do her teams do this week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, just God bless giving an absolute sex weirdo like Ken Russell the keys to this kind of. Movie. That's that's exactly what I was saying. It's like of all the people to direct this, he's probably the one you, you put the keys in his hand. Anyone else does it? It's like I don't give a shit. Yeah. If anyone else did it, I would have gotten a half hour and been like, "Well, I could just listen to this and just at work and be like, yeah, it was great.' He played pinball that one time. But no, there is a lot going on visually." So I am happy I watched it and was See able to draw my horizons. <laughs> Taste me. Very distracting that he looks a lot like TJ Miller. It was right, yeah. <laughs> difficult to deal with for a while. He's got your hair. He does. Also, just just talk, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking say he something. Dude. He's got the thing. He's traumatized. Staring in the mirror, you fucking asshole. <laughs> He's. He's got the thing. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Also, apparently, he's like five foot four. So, same rough, <laughs> rough feet. <laughs> Those are two separate measurements. <laughs> you decide. All right. Well, it is the season of October, and one night we couldn't find anything to watch just because, again, this movie has been super stressful. Nothing's coming to mind. Open up Netflix. Like, oh, there's a Netflix horror original. Fuck it, probably disposable. So, it is called... I lost it here. There's someone inside your house. Now, Chris, you're fine. You don't ever need to watch this. Alex might enjoy it. Here's the thing. It's a teen slasher, which I didn't know when I hit play. Probably wouldn't have watched it. But it's a teen slasher for now. Like, we... Mostly Alex and I have reference for these 90s teen slashers because it's what we grew up on. The reminiscent of the culture at the time and their fun little looks back. I am a grumpy old man. I have no connection to these goddamn youths today. But there is a scene early on where a star football player gets murdered by the killer. And uh, they're at the school. They have a little vigil set up for him. And there's characters talking about him. And then in the background, you see another football player walk up and just start yelling over them. He took a knee in the game of life, but he always lived like it was the fourth quarter. He starts tearfully singing the school fight song, and then when he's done, he pours out a monster over the grave. <laughs> so oh my this god! Like a solid three stars. That's that fucking killed me. Incredible. 
Also, there's a reveal that there's a super spoiled rich kid. He reveals that his dad has, has a ton of Nazi memorabilia. And then uh, he reveals that he converted all of them into bongs. Oh. Three star. <laughs> You're fine. It's absolutely fine. I, I want my dad to watch it. <laughs> Just hear <laughs> freak out. Ruined history. <laughs> Just putting inserting vapes into World War II gas masks is an incredibly good bit. I'm sorry. Oh, no, until Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing with Halloween Kills. It's not very good. Here's the thing with the Halloween franchise. Most of them aren't very good. I understand that I, like a lot of you, spent our childhoods watching AMC Fear Fest and Halloween 4 is always on. You're like, yeah, that one's pretty good. That movie fucking sucks. I watched it again last night. That movie's butt cheeks. We all grew up with it. I watched it again. I'll watch it again next year. That movie's butt cheeks. There's like three good Halloween movies, Sorry, maybe two and a half. It's a, it's a good term. <laughs> but what Halloween Kills gives you is a lot of really, really brutal violence. He kills the shit out of a lot of people. And that's that immediately like puts it like that alone is like, oh, it's easily in the top half of this franchise. <laughs> Well, considering the other Halloween movies that there are out there, I can understand that. Uh, you see, a friend of so mine, many people get so mad about it. Like these movies suck, man, and I own all of them. Like it's fine. These yeah, movies are shit. A friend of mine watched it in theaters, uh, and he hated it. And I was like, okay, I'll... he does one of these things where he watches a horror movie for every day of the month. He's what we call an amateur. And he <laughs> and he writes up a big long post that I almost never read because it's not very. Inter- I mean, it's it's very. I don't have time. And for this one, he really despised the movie, and he was going through a litany of reasons why. And one of the ones that really stuck out to me is apparently uh, Michael Myers, I guess, switches clothes with a mental patient, and they chase him off the roof of a building, and the guy oh falls God, to his death, and they check him out. So fucking stupid, dude. Yeah, they 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 take him off, and I think they said. Uh, David quoted him as saying, uh, maybe we're the real monsters. And I was like, there's no way that actually happened. So I asked another colleague of mine who went to see the movie. Now, I've mentioned Jeff before on this podcast in increasing tones of consternation. Uh, he loves the Halloween franchise, except for the one he despises, Halloween 3, because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Oh exactly whatever you're thinking the about him is true worst take I know exactly I tried to reinforce this on him anyway he saw this movie in theaters multiple times because uh, he loves Michael Myers and Jack's off to him this one uh, he, he found out that the actual line is something maybe Michael is turning us into the monsters which is somehow worse it's like uh, the whole movie is about like hey guys maybe mob justice is bad but it's by the way so like we spent a lot of time early on with the people in Haddonfield and I'm thinking like oh good we're spending a lot of time with them and I messaged my friend I'm like why are they spending so much time like building up these people he's like oh buddy (laughs) and then I realized oh I guess Jamie Lee Curtis is gonna be in this hospital the whole movie huh well okay I guess I'll spend more time with the grown-up kids that were babysat in the movie 40 years ago as if anyone could possibly give a fuck I kept thinking back to well, we've talked about it a couple times, especially with like the Last Jedi. Of like, it's hard to judge this because this very clearly feels like a bridge to a next movie. This could have been a twenty-minute fucking prologue, dude. This doesn't even need to be a movie. Yeah, because they filmed two and three back to back, and I, you don't need this. Yeah, this doesn't need to exist. Look, I'll tell you this: the only reason I ever watched the Halloween twenty eighteen version is for the music, 
and it was worth it's it. So good. I prefer downloading the album just listening to that because that's probably what I'll do with this one as well. Uh, but this one, I, I've got no desire. I have no attachment to Halloween 2018. That that's a weird movie for me because everyone was like, "Well, this was maybe Halloween is back on track." I was just like, "It was never on track." Okay. Again, like it you said, the two and a half forty years ago. Yeah, there there are two and a half good movies here, and one of them doesn't feature the titular or it doesn't feature Michael Myers. So don't tell me that Halloween twenty eighteen is good. It has a good element to it, and virtually nothing else. Personally, I I don't even like seeing Jamie Lee Curtis again. I I just wish that lady would get a chance to retire. Just do Activia commercials. You don't need to do this. You don't need to shill. But uh, we're going to get the the third one written by Danny McBride, I'm sure. Absolutely. Great. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I know why it exists, because the 2018 one made a fuck ton of money. I and mean, even this is like the highest grossing R-rated pandemic movie. by Eastbound and Brown Area. Sorry. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That was worth it. <laughs> good thing Alex in here. Like, this whole movie's about fucking mob justice, and I don't know, man, are we the real mobster? But, like, you get to the end of the movie where they all gang up on him. One person brought a gun? Fuck yourself. Someone brought a fucking pillowcase full of bricks. Like, what are we doing? Shoot him in the fucking face and the movie's over. I hate being that guy who's like, well, if I was in this movie, I would do this. But also, I wouldn't just bring a fucking baseball bat yeah the movie takes place in the united states just just let him just just, like chase him into a public school he'll be dead in 15 minutes (laughs) and it's another issue like i originally liked that the 2018 one cut out all of the sequels because i've always hated them being brother and sister it's the dumbest shit in the world it is yeah but then but then also then why is he still around why does he care who cares? Why, why is he still trying to kill her? Why is he? Give I, a I shit did like the idea that it? I did like the idea that in Halloween Kills, Tom Atkins comes back, and uh, oh it's God, there's a whole bunch of those uh, sh- silver shamrock masks and everything. Big like, fan oh, of yeah. the three kids wearing the silver shamrock mask getting brutally murdered. That was a pretty nice surprise. I didn't know that that was in this one. All right, they well, the fuck. I mean, like I said, Dana if you're watching these movies, you're watching them because they're slashers, and uh, people get very viciously slashed. So like. I don't know, two and a half stars I think I gave it. That's fine. I, I'd totally forgotten when we decided not to do it that it was going to be on Peacock the same day. I was like, oh, so I can just download it day one. Got it. Cool. That's fine. Oh, it's going to be Josh's favorite streaming service. <laughs> I've watched it's not many free, worse so it's movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you put on Adblock and it's fine. It's free, uh, actually. There are many worse entries in this franchise in the last couple decades. I'll take this before I watch either of those Rob Zombie ones again. Oh, yeah, that's and good if you're, point, if yeah. you're going to tell me I'm wrong, don't bother. You're not going to change my mind. Right. Let me see. I think that's it. Yeah, that'll do it. I'm so mad I did get to watch American Shaolin. I was so excited. I pulled it up good, on YouTube. <laughs> and then life happened, as it does. Yeah. Let's talk about all 15 acts of Shocker. <laughs> Oh, shocker. What an odd little movie. Well, the good news is Ted Raimi's in it. So, uh, already, five out of five. Doesn't really matter what else we say here. He just seems to show up a lot. He shows up more in our movies than Jamie Chung does. Uh, It's so cool that, like, they kept making Elm Street movies, and he wasn't getting a cut, and he's like, I'll make another Freddy. And he just, here's Horace Pinker, 
a guy wearing a prison jumpsuit who can travel through electricity question mark yeah he's like live wire that's superman villain uh <laughs> by the way also appearing in this movie ladies and gentlemen dr timothy leary uh <laughs> doctor friend like of being the show peter berg stepping in front of the camera uh, so for, great that uh, he has that voice stepping so in front me. of the pass catching it and uh getting a first down and when he gets the first down he actually calls out and i'm not kidding i had, I had to write this down because i couldn't believe he said this i'm very good <laughs> that is maybe the worst trash talk i've ever heard in my life <laughs> it's like what if kirby could speak english like <laughs> well, I- I wrote down as a joke, like, oh, he gave himself CTE, and now he has a psychic connection to this killer. But also, did he? Is, I, is that what actually happened? I, I think that's kind of what happened, is he Bill Grammatica's himself. He uh, <laughs> just runs straight into that goalpost. I want to give credit to uh, Wes Craven does very good work with stuntmen. Like, one of the greatest stunts I've ever seen is in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. That, that fire scene, uh, that won awards for one of the best stunts. And it was like, wow, that guy really went through it. So he knows how to do stunts. I want to talk about the stuntman who ran into that goalpost. He hits it like a car crash. All right? It goes straight into it. Derek Henry has never run over a person as hard as he hit that goalpost. It looks like Wiley Coyote running into a mountainside. (laughs) And everyone's standing over him and laughing at his face. (laughs) And his girlfriend, who, by the way, gorgeous comes up to him and he's just like who are you and she's like i'm your girlfriend we've been dating for a while he's like oh do we have any babies and she's like no we haven't slept together yet and he's like oh good i wouldn't want to compromise my values and she's like Haha. i'm like are they in college <laughs> how old are these people like look i, I, I didn't get i didn't get laid a tremendous amount in college or at all but like Come on. <laughs> to this day, actually. Yeah, but like if you're a high school, not a high school, if you're a college athlete, a college football star, you got to get lead at least once, right? So One would think so. Technically, he does. So they're walking home, and for some reason the CT is affecting his brain, and he walks to the wrong house, which is his house, and there's a bald serial killer in there. He looks like Joe Rogan if he was taller than five foot three, And... <laughs> In his, I believe, I'm trying to follow this along, you're going to have to help me out here, stepmother and adopted yes. sister are, are yelling at him, do something! And I, and I would have been like, you guys should leave now, he's not looking at you. That's what I would do. I can get in his way. So he's like, okay, I'll do something. And he jumps inside the serial killer's torso. Now, of all the decisions that are made here, um, I don't know that I would have thought of that. I don't know if that sort of idea would have crossed my mind. Uh, anyway, that that his, the serial killer's stomach acts as a portal to his girlfriend's bed, and he wakes up next to her. So I guess they they did get lead. Uh, <laughs> congratulations! The first time I watched this, at this point, I stopped. I was like, "Do I have a corrupted file? Like, is this the yeah. third act? Like, what is this? Yeah. The first act of this movie is the third act of a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's." baffling like imagine like you're with your girlfriend and you nut into a trash can in a different room and you go back to the bed well, and you wake up you're going to ah, 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 like she's gonna be thinking she did something wrong <laughs> now we we'll go over film the next day that's what she finds out <laughs> <laughs> the tight end was right there you had a chance oh, had a chance oh uh, moment moment's too big i'm just gonna fall <laughs> over 
Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I, I feel the backups are creeping a little bit closer up the depth chart. No, that was a joke. I'm doing a bit. I'm doing a bit. Doing a bit. Okay. Sorry. No, that's all right. No, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. It's already been done. All right. We'll talk about positional groups. So, Ted Raimi. <laughs> Ted Raimi is, uh, he's just dressed as Clark Kent, and he's in the background of three different funerals. <laughs> There's a lot of funerals in this movie. I'm pretty sure they double up, like, the coach and someone else's funeral in one scene. Yeah, straight up. He goes to the... He, first of all, Ted Raimi plays the team doctor. The team student doctor. And he goes to the the tight ends, mother's... Ad- adoptive mother's funeral. What was Ted Raimi doing to his adoptive mother? <laughs> Ted Raimi... First of all, if I, like, get seriously injured and Ted Raimi comes to help... Just fucking cut it off. <laughs> Whatever he does is going to be so much worse. Why haven't we got him on here yet? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we could pull that. Shit, together. he would probably pay us. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the, the serial killer gets arrested because Peterberg has psychic powers as a result of CTE and can find out where the serial killer is hiding and he's... First of all, this serial killer is really good at the whole serial killer business. He's killing a lot of people a lot of the time. And uh, the cops eventually do apprehend him and take him away. And he goes to death row for killing too many people. Oh, including his girlfriend, which is... Oh, yeah. He good point. kills we have to... the shit out of her. I, there's not enough blood in the human body to do what he did to that room. Yeah, I was looking is, like, well, this is kind of tame. Oh. You know, <laughs> it's not a lot of on-screen. Oh my god! Okay, Wes, Wesley, what is what's this? You want to work through something? Are we sunset? cool? Okay, it's like all right. So, uh, and uh, the the main character's girlfriend's dead, and the villain is being put to death. We are thirty minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, I. There's another. I'll get to it later involving the girlfriend, but like he's on death row, right? I'm like, okay, what's what's going to happen here? I know the premise of the movie. What, how's this going to happen? They come up to him in his cell, and he's on his hands and knees with jumper cables on his fingers, a spell book on the floor, surrounded by candles. It's hooked up to the TV, and he say, "Give it to me!" And a voice comes from the television. Uh, that that sounds like I imagine Joe Camel sounds like he says, "Well, you got it," <laughs> and he he get, he starts going, and the police are just like, "Oh, wait a second. and they pull him away from that. This gives him magical electric powers, and uh, he bites that one guard's lip, Parker. The effect on this guy's <laughs> bottom lip. It is. It's hard to describe without getting canceled because, like, <laughs> it's. It's a lot, man. John Gruden would be able to talk about it, but not us. <laughs> he sure would. He, because, like, it's immediately followed by a scene where he bites off the other guard's fingers. He even makes a little joke. He says, finger looking good. Dude, what the fuck was up with the lip stuff? What were you doing? It no was... one else would do that that way. A lot. By the way, uh, just know that while all of this is happening, the abrupt jump cut to him doing a black magic ritual in a cell, there is a Megadeth cover of No More Mr. Nice Guy playing. <laughs> oh, that was Megadeth? Yeah, dude. Dude, no offense to Dave Mustaine. I thought that was a chick singing it. It's uh, it's not a good era for that band. Yeah, not a lot of good albums. Was there a time. good one? Anyway, uh, um, 
So here's this is kind of like a weird comparison, but like you know in Pulp Fiction, there's a scene in which Uma Thurman says, "Come on, don't be a," and she goes like this and draws a square, and you can see the white dotted lines on the screen. And when you watch it, you're just like, wait, I've literally never ever seen anyone do that in a movie before. How come Quentin Tarantino is the only one who thinks to just do some weird stuff like that? Well, Wes Craven is like that. He's the only guy who would make a guy's bottom lip magically stretch out like that before the weird stuff starts happening. (laughs) That's one of the normal scenes of the movie. Before he becomes a being that can travel through electricity and also swap bodies and also go into a TV, he gives them... It looks like a fucking Beetlejuice gag. It does. It really does. He should be in the waiting room. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. I got a GQ commercial. I don't know. Some sort of underwear deal. They're like, hey, hey, uh, uh. <laughs> good We should also mention that Peter Berg looks like a young Ethan Hawke, and it's very distracting for me. I was going to say, movie. he looks like the the bad father in every single teen movie I've seen from the 90s. Also, uh, yes. He looks like he's about to fucking kick in your door and tell you to turn down that twisted sister. <laughs> what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> Watching this shit movie and just realizing... Go throw like, Pat Benatar it, out of the house. <laughs> in 20 years, he's going to be directing all these Mark Wahlberg movies. Is it's and they're really good honestly. anyway so he uh <laughs> 22 uh, that one i haven't seen i've seen Ooh. so anyway he uh <laughs> anyway he uh let's see uh, so the execution does not quite go as planned if you ever seen uh, the green mile it's kind of like that and the uh, <laughs> the first of many comparisons to uh, yeah, so he doesn't die as a result of electri- electrocution. It just uh, leaves him with a really fucked up skull. And then he uses the electricity to kill everyone uh, that he sees, and he can jump in different people's bodies and stuff like that. And at this point, I'm just like, so this is what this is how the movie starts. This is the longest first act in movie <laughs> history. It is. There's. Besides the exorcist. hour left of this movie. <laughs> what works about Nightmare on Elm Street is it's very concise. Yes. Bad guy. Gets you in your dreams. So uh, this guy, uh, he was a serial killer already, uh, but he did this magic ritual. Uh, in his mugshot, he looks like Bill Dotrieve. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Hey, they're going to put him to death, but then he does the ritual, and then the thing comes out of the TV. So he has electric powers. The electricity makes him stronger, and then also he can jump into other people's bodies. But like, if the body gets like too tired, he has to leave the body, so he goes into different bodies. But then he goes into the TV. But then you go into the TV with him. Got it? See, that's the thing. Perfect. It's like the comparison with Freddy Krueger is actually pretty apt here because this was, like you mentioned, a response to the increasing number and decreasing quality of Freddy Krueger movies. And he saw this, just like, come on, I'll just make a new one and just it'll go like this. Freddy Krueger in his in the dreams can do anything. He really isn't limited. If you were to talk about it, I could make a shitty comparison and say, well, he can go inside the wall and he can light on fire and he can grow knives out of his fingers. Yeah, yeah, sure. But it's all within one single central context dreams just a dreamscape and that makes sense for this guy to be able to do anything is just all because of electricity how does he jump inside the body of a little girl like it doesn't there's nothing about that that makes any sort of sense uh so i'd like to talk about this scene this horror movie nominally a horror movie uh but also thrown takes place in the middle of the day in central park and it just, it just got people jogging along and you got this guy running away from a guy who is i to be generous, loping. 
Uh, and he's chasing him with a with a fucking gun and not shooting anywhere close to him. I was like, wait, this is scary? What the hell is scary about this? This is the strangest thing I've ever seen. I actually wrote down several times, what the fuck am I watching? It's... It feels like a completely different movie, which is also separate from the completely different movie that follows 20 minutes afterwards. Oh, yeah. So, like, I also want to get back to, like, he jumps inside that body of that little girl, and she starts swearing like Reagan, and I was just like, come on, what are we doing here? Then she jumps inside the body of the body. There's, like, she could have, like, used it as an opportunity to escape, like a better movie, The Hidden, for example. She never she never does that, or the killer never does that. Also, what exactly is the killer's beef? Uh, what is, uh, what's his deal? Uh, why, why is he uh, so... That's a fantastic question. Yeah. So, so in the, the next, next scene... scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> callback to like, a good episode. I love Wes Craven and all, but like, did you not have someone who could read over the script and go, hey man, you've done most of this already. They're still making movies about this thing you've done. Yeah. Like, you could, why are there dream sequences? Why is now, he communicating in dreams and then they're like, all right, that's enough of that. We'll get rid of that whole premise. Now, you know, every once in a while a retread works. Like, that's why Scream works so well is because he is a master of this sort of thing. He knows what he's doing. Well, sort of a master. Sometimes. Like a uh, apprentice. But he's, he's very, very good at this most of the time. Sometimes, like 30% of the time. You just, it's its too inconsistent. It's, beca- it's becoming so many different movies. I, I think there's a central scene here that really gets to me. Where I didn't even write down a joke, I just wrote down what happened because it was so bizarre. Uh, he gets inside the body of uh, Peterberg's head coach, right? And <laughs> his girlfriend comes out of the wall, and she looks like the ghost of Christmas past, and she shoots a white beam out of her navel. And I'm just like, what is going on here? And he starts like dissipating into golden particles, like the ending of The Hidden, and I'm just like, Wow, that flew by. Check uh, the remote. See how much time is left. Maybe like three minutes for credits. An entire hour. I'm like, I don't need what? everything explained to me, but one or two would be nice. Yeah. Like, like, why is his girlfriend's ghost appearing? Why can she shoot lasers out of her chest? Like, I really like her. I think she's very beautiful. I think she's very caring. She's she's like a kind of a subtle character. She works very well. But when she comes back from that, he says. And she's hugging him, and he says, no, wait, you're dead. And she says, that doesn't matter. I'll never leave you. I would have been like, oh, wait, we got to talk about this. <laughs> we didn't even bang. You yeah. Gotta, you got to go. Yeah, sorry. Some of us has to let some ghostly essence later, so. Uh, she... Hey, baby, you ever see Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to the game of games. No, I'm kidding. So, I also want to talk about the music. Uh, it sounds like for every like scary scene, the the guy is like uh, playing the music like like this on a keyboard because it just sounds like I'm like you can't just do that. That's how every single person plays a piano the first time they see a piano. <laughs> they, they, they just go to like oh hey check this out. Never took a single lesson in my life. Like someone just does that. And I'm like what the fuck is this? That's your scare sound. Hey, Wes, check this out. Oh, shit, it's in the movie. It's like Chinese music torture. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say that there's one thing about this movie that I really like. This is basically like... So he, uh, uh, Peter Berg, teams up with his teammates to try to defeat the evil electrical spirit serial killer monster thing. And I, I gotta tell you, this is just like the dream of every single youth football player 
is to hang out with the black kids outside the locker room. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, they felt so bad that my adopted family died that they gave me the pass. So uh, it's been pretty cool for me lately. <laughs> That's the best joke I had written here. <laughs> so uh, I, anyway, there's a lot of chasing each other. And at one point, Peter Berg is so tired that he sits down in a chair and some eyeballs appear on the back over here. And that was just, I, there was another one where I wrote down for the second time. What the fuck am I watching? What, what is this? What, what, what are we doing here? I, I don't know what this is. And then, I, I really do have to make this reference because I think a lot of our audience, both of them, have seen the TV special of the Fairly Odd Parents, uh, Timmy and the TV Tuner, where he goes inside a bunch of parodies of TV shows and shit. That's just what they do here, except it's not even parodies. It's just like B-roll footage and they're just in the background. I want to talk about how it starts off, though. Because they go to, like, some 1950s, like, uh, sitcoms and stuff like that. And, like, oh, here's a network TV show. And here's, like, a sports show or something like that. There's a, they're in the background of boxing. But the first ones they show are B-roll from World War Two. You know there are Nazis? This Wayne's World-ass blue screen is, is a lot. <laughs> oh, look. We're in Delaware. <laughs> Howdy, partner. Let's all go to a Broadway show. <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, how's it going, Mr. Clare? And then, you know, Parker's a really good son. You raised him well. Well, well enough. Uh, anyway. Debatable. <laughs> you know, Kyler Murray's looking red hot this season. Anyway. Oh, uh, now you're talking. <laughs> Lights so up like a over. fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> Move over. I'm talking now. I'm talking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the... they're just going from show to show. And this is the last, what, 17 minutes of the movie? I'm just like... This should have been the like entire movie. This should have just you should have just focused on this because it's extremely silly, extremely cheesy, but it's also like the most visually interesting thing that they do. And it's it's also just I think I could be wrong because I think the reason that it works for me is because it's such a bizarre turn of events that I was like I'm just glad they're doing something to hold my interest because I was getting bored as shit with this movie. Yeah, the middle is rough, and then it just decides like, all right, cool. Now they're running through TV shows. Yeah, now and, they're just man, in the background you, of Hee Haw. If this was on TV and you fell asleep for 10 minutes, you would be real fucking confused when you woke up. I think yeah, this is a good time for us to talk about like what various TV shows that they would be on. Can you imagine if like this hero killer gets hit on the head with a coconut because he answered uh, Amanda wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the one, the one I came to? Can you imagine they're like fighting in an office building and they 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 grab each other by the collar. They they hear a loud noise. They look outside. And there's a plane coming right towards them. <laughs> oh no! This killer's gonna get me. But first, I have to teach Oscar Kakashka how to read. This is so fucked up. Uh, uh, re- avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid Bud Dwyer's gunshot. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Those great moments of television history. <laughs> Who could forget Hey Arnold, the Bud Dwyer suicide? <laughs> the one episode where Red Herring did it. <laughs> the, the pantheon of television. Getting caught in one of Fred's traps. <laughs> Scooby starts to look at that. <laughs> oh my god, if they were in the background episode of the Johnny Bravo Scooby-Doo crossover. <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> I will say, big fan of them just showing up in the background of a boxing fight as he tries to murder him. And also the riot footage. 
Actually, okay, so one of the ones that really worked for me is it cuts to some guy at a news anchor desk that was probably made for like $6 saying, numerous reports on various broadcast stations in Argon, and it just falls right onto his desk while he's sorry. It was very Gremlins too. It really was. Yeah. Which is always a good thing. That's a good reference. If we're referencing Gremlins 2, it's like, okay, you're on something of the right track here. Uh I, I like that quite a bit. I'm trying to think of other TV shows and other TV moments. Can you imagine if they were in a WWE match and uh, Rikishi's did a stink face to one of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see we're not going time period specific. <laughs> no, no, it's just like, very, well, if they're going to like, they each other like that one, like, I think they're in the background of an I Love Lucy episode or something like that. You know? Like, they were really close to just being on the wing of the plane and like William Shatner's looking out the window or something. He's going to get me, but first, I've got a bit on the storage locker room. <laughs> That's a $20 bill right there. No way. I was letting him get that storage locker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Can you imagine, like, they go to, like, so they're just talking it... about <laughs> drilling for oil. <laughs> sweet, sweet gold. They're, they're just in the background of the audience of a Hannah Gadsby uh, special. They both immediately try to leave as soon as possible. <laughs> I don't get it. It's called Nanette. Why is she telling any jokes? (laughs) (laughs) Peter Berg, Horace Pinker, and the robots (laughs) yelling at Nanette. (laughs) Hey, get some fucking jokes, bro. (laughs) Mike Nelson saying, God, the Sydney Opera House really has uh, lost some money over the years, haven't they? So the end of the movie involves Peter Berg taking the remote and going like, ah, ah, ah. and apparently it's like a Wiimote because the Cerakote is bouncing off the walls when he does that. And then to save himself and kill the serial killer in one blow, he jumps into a video camera, which due to the impact gets knocked over and breaks. And the serial killer just turns into the lawnmower man and goes, and just flies into a number of gray pixels and uh peter berg is uh he looks up at the star and the star is twinkling and he says see that one right there that's that's my that's my girl all right left her up there we'll circle the moon for you and then she appears behind him in a white dress he's like ah! <laughs> that should have been the ending Flaws <laughs> me together what the fuck credits roll <laughs> When she was with him in that lake, I was just like, was she going to like try to drag him down? Like the like story of like your girlfriend who won't leave or something like that? <laughs> Wait, is isn't that what Mary Jo Kopechny did? <laughs> <laughs> My uh, worst nightmare. <laughs> oh no, they changed channels. Now we're in Robert Kennedy's car. <laughs> Ted Kennedy's car. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I forgot which one was the plane. My bad. Dude, can you imagine if they fucking appeared on so OAN? <laughs> They're just suddenly in a My Pillow commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear your dad like slapping the TV, like, "Let's get out of here." <laughs> Oh my god, they have to... They're, they're fighting and all of a sudden you see a, a giant chicken and Peter fighting. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. It's weird. Uh, got a text message from Alex. <laughs> He's doing it at his phone right now. Hey, Lois! <laughs> Do we have any other TV shows we'd like to reference? <laughs> you think they're just doing the same episode of Haruhi, Susan Mia over and over again? Wait, that would actually be a funny bit, because that happened in the... 
So other animes that uh, have... <laughs> you say so. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine if they were on MXC? <laughs> Look, we can just say 9-11 and move on. I already did that one. We're all thinking it. <laughs> yeah, I already did that. A second pinker has slammed into the table. <laughs> <sighs> now I imagine if Freakazoid was there. Because they could do it now, but just be with the internet, and then it's... He flies into the computer screen. He's just on Infowars with dun, Alex dun, 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 Jones. Sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's... Dinks! Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Alright, we don't get to do Game of Games because Alex isn't here, and uh, we're nice to each other. The Lord. This has also gone way too long anyway. It's going to hurt so bad next week. Yeah, it is. Oh, boy. There will be interest payments in my future. (laughs) Yeah, I already know it. Alright, I don't know what we're going to do. We can probably save it for another time. Glad Alex slept well. We'll see you next time. And that's the tea, sis.